What's up, comic book fans? Anchor Pete here, and I'm with my good friend Brian. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Doing good, Pete. Yes. How Where, where's is your everything? robot man helmet? I I know, I know. It's such a disappointment, right? Last week I went all in as peacemaker. Just, give me just time. Call, I have... call your peacemaker what? helmet gold. There you go. Or I could just cut a piece of it, just put it over my eye, right? And I could be cyborg. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, this show definitely does evoke some creativity. This is a very uh, unique show. We are, of course, talking about Doom Patrol, which is the HBO Max show. Um, season three has already ended. Is there going to be a season four? Uh, I, I do not know, uh, but I hope so because, um, I, I mean, I haven't watched... Uh, I, I've only watched the first two episodes of season three so far. Um, okay. But I... I, I I, I just forgot how much I love this show because it's such That's a weird insane. show. It's such a weird, different show from like anything on TV. Yep. That's my exact <laughs> thoughts I had too. Brian and I decided to cover Doom Patrol because there's a little bit of a gap between where Peacemaker ended and when uh, Moon Knight begins at the end of March. So we're like, what show are we going to cover? And Brian had the great idea of covering Doom Patrol, which makes me so very happy because it is essentially based on the stories created by Grant Morrison, who is one of my all-time favorite comic book writers of all time. I just love Grant Morrison. Yeah. And Brian, what did you know about the Doom Patrol prior to Grant Morrison writing the book in the 80s? Prior to Grant? Um, or maybe it's the uh, 90s. Too. Very, no, it's 80s. It's 80s. Um, yeah. Very little, honestly. Um, I, I might have had some inkling is, uh, about them uh, because of the similarities with X-Men. Uh, yes. But although, although this came first. So yeah, uh, but that's probably it, honestly. Yeah. So I think we should go into detail about that because that's super exciting to me. The Doom Patrol comic came out the same month as the X-Men comic. But it came out first. And there's so many similarities between the two. I mean, the teams essentially are both teams of like people that you would consider to be like freaks or outcasts. And they both have leaders that are rich men that are in wheelchairs, older men that are in wheelchairs. Um, over time, Professor X and, of course, uh, the chief, Niles Calder, we kind of learned that they've sort of done some diabolical things to kind of, you know, go along with their vision. And uh, there's just some similarities between the two groups so much. One thing that um, kind of separates the Doom Patrol comic from the X-Men comic I guess you can kind of say the X-Men do this too. The Doom Patrol are one of two DC teams that die pretty frequently. Like, and, and of course, X-Men die, right? But with the Doom Patrol, their name certainly fits because the team just, the main characters die often and come back to life, you know? Yeah, but with I think with Doom Patrol is that they, they kind of kill off the characters with the series and then bring it back years later, things like that. Whereas right. X-Men character kind of just, just like die individually and then come back in a couple of months. Right, exactly. And so um, the, uh, the the other team, just if you guys are curious, the other team is the uh, the Metal Men. And they get killed off all the time too and brought back to life all the time too. But uh, Brian, do you remember who the original team of the Doom Patrol is like in the comics? Uh, yeah, it, it's actually fairly similar to what the, the roster is in the show. So it's Elastigirl, it's uh, Negative Man, it's Robot Man. Um, Beast Boy, actually. And yep. then I, I want to say Mento. That's right. That's right. And the, chief, and the chief, of course. Yes, yes. 
And what's so cool about this show and just the Doom Patrol in general is that they've been around in other media too. You know, we're called Comic Books Transformed and we talk about the adaptations of the comics that we love, whether they're made into cartoons or, or TV shows or movies. And the Doom Patrol, they've been in the Teen Titans cartoon, you know, and in Teen Titans Go, you know? And so Wait, uh, they Teen all... Titans Go? Yeah, yeah. There was a really messed up episode uh, that was like a Thanksgiving episode, and it was Beast Boy going with the Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I'm going to have to look that up. I, I don't think I knew that, Um, but I it's... I would, I feel like I would buy it more if it was the other, the original Teen Titans cartoon. Or I don't know if it's the original, the one from the early two thousands. Yeah, uh, but Teen Titans Go, that's very surprising. That's a very, it's a little more comedic, I guess. You know. Yeah. Very different show. Yeah, well, they're on um, the last season of the Teen Titans cartoon, the original one from the two thousands. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna the, have to watch both of these because I didn't know either either of those things. Yeah. And just to go along with my our comparison to the X-Men, the main adversaries that the Doom Patrol face in the comics are the Brotherhood of Evil. And it's like, oh, the enemies of the X-Men are the Brotherhood of Evil mutants, you know? And so in the Teen Titans cartoon, the Brotherhood is like the main enemies of their last season. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about the Brotherhood too because they show up in season three of Doom Patrol and they kind of have been sprinkled throughout the show a little bit so far. But I figured, Brian, we could just start off by talking about the individual characters and like what's happened to them over the course of the show. Is that cool? Sure. All right. So I got a question for you right off the bat. Out of all the characters in the cast, who's your favorite? Oh, man. Um, This is actually easier than I, than I made it initially seem. Uh, I'm going to say Jane. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm real hooked on the, uh, the 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 personalities and the underground stuff. Yes, um, I, I feel like um, that always interests me the most. Um, I, I really like every character, though. Like, I, I can't say a bad thing about any of them. Yeah, um, you know what? You actually picked the same one as me. Jane's my favorite as well. <laughs> um, Diane Guerrero. I know I've seen her before, but she is incredible on this show. Just the way yes. that she can play all the different personalities. Like, because the show is on a streaming service and because it's this sort of obscure comic book title, she's completely overlooked for any kind of awards and stuff. But her acting ability is, like, she's on another level. Yeah, totally agree. Um, just the, the the personality switching. I mean, she plays some very, very vastly different characters often. Um, she even plays versions of characters that occasionally look different. Right. So, like, you know, another actor puts an imprint on it, but she has to kind of channel that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I think it's the, it's pretty up there for the, like, the most interesting storyline overall in the show to me. Yes. Now she's not an original Doom Patrol character. I believe that she was created for the Grant Morrison run. And that it kind of makes sense because she's a very Grant Morrison type character. I mean, yes. essentially just for people that aren't familiar with her, uh, Jane mm -hmm. has multiple personalities and it's because of a trauma that she experienced as a child. And uh, on the show, they explain it that those personalities were sort of experimented on by scientists. And so this, the personalities have different superpowers. So when she becomes a different person, she has a different power. And they're all weird, random powers. You know, there is like um, one that can teleport. There's um, like silver tongue. When she says things, the, the words actually kind of form into metal and then she can like throw the metal. At, I think that's so cool. 
Yeah. Um, th then there's Hammerhead, uh, the secretary. She has all these different personality types, and they're so different. I was actually um, really impressed when she played this character called ba uh, Baby Doll, right? Baby Doll, yeah. Yeah. Like her voice. I'm pretty sure that's Diane Guerrero doing the voice. And she like truly sounds like a little kid. It's it's kind of eerie. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Some, some great overlooked range here. Yeah. She, um, her story usually tends to be almost kind of on the side from the rest of the Doom Patrol characters. And it's always kind of like this more dramatic, more adult kind of story. And, um, you know, she doesn't necessarily always get roped in with the hijinks with the rest of the group. But often she can, like, come in and save them, too. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that her her stories tend to um, kind of run parallel to the main story. But, yeah, she often does. She probably is the most powerful member of the overall of the, of the group. Yeah. Um, and she does often come in and save the day. But, yeah. I mean, she gets saved sometimes, too. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole team has had to go rescue her. And, and the cool thing about her is that her subconsciousness is like an underground train station and all these different personalities interact with each other in the underground train station. And then when it's time for one of them to take over, they essentially like kind of rise up to the surface and switch out. Um, and it's been like a safety mechanism, you know, for, for this little girl that was molested as a kid. Yeah. Um, she is one of those characters on the team where um, she ran into Niles Calder. He found her. And he took her in essentially, just like Professor X taking in his mutants. And um, each character is like damaged, but because of their damage, they have special abilities. So, um, which one of those other special abilities characters you want to talk about next? Um, wait, of of Crazy Jane's or of, of of the rest of the Doom Patrol? Oh, um, well, I, I mean, I'm going to go with my second favorite character, which is Robot Man. Brian, we're in the same freaking order, man. Those are my two favorites. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you could how you could watch this show and just not root for Brenda Frazier to make like a massive comeback. Oh, I know. I have missed Brenda Frazier so much. I didn't even realize it. He oh, disappeared yeah, for a very long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, he, he's. I think the the recurring theme here is that everyone is uh, everyone is a very damaged character and has a very tragic past. And they were all kind of like scooped up by the chief into this kind of little living space. Uh, and, and I think another re recurring thing is kind of the, the longevity of life that all these characters have, because they've all been around for many, many decades. I think in the pilot alone, like 20 or 30 years past. At since, least. Uh, yeah. Since, since they, uh, after Cliff joins uh, Rita and, uh, and Larry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he was a he was a, a guy who was a NASCAR driver, kind of like a rednecky almost guy almost, and he got into a really bad car accident, and the chief saved his brain and rebuilt him into a robot. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly, I I have to just reference that 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 pilot um, overall. The pilot of the, sh the the first episode of the show, the pilot was probably one of the best pilots I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, it completely went from something that I, I barely knew anything about. I was just watching for the sake of watching it yeah. uh, because I, I knew, you know, Grant Morrison. I know of, of the, the characters in the comics a little bit and I knew, you know, Grant Morrison had a lot to do with it and it, it completely gripped me in that episode. I, I was, it was like a movie to me, you know, yeah. writing wise, maybe not effects wise, but you know, writing wise and, and character development and all that absolute, like one of the best things I've, I've seen for a first episode. 
Yes, I agree. When, when I look at the production quality of this show, I, I'm often like blown away. I'm like, wow, that, it, it looks so different from what you would expect from like a genre show. I mean, just the setting of the show itself, right? It takes place in this, the um, chief's mansion and it kind of has that sort of haunted house feeling. And you don't really expect that with yeah. a team of superpower, superpowered people be living in a place like that. Um, it just, it, it often looks like a horror movie, but it also is kind of like over the top with fantasy type things. I mean, in that pilot episode that you just referenced, it's so absurd. And the show itself can be completely and utterly absurd uh, often. Um, yeah. and, and like the end of the episode ends with like a donkey like farting, right? Is that like yeah. fucking big, the yeah, donkey that's exactly farting? What happens. Yeah, and like, doesn't it's gas like spell something? Or I can't even remember the pilot now. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that was all um, the the villain of the first season, um, Mister Nobody. Yeah, um, which which is a very unique villain and a very unique premise for the show. And uh, I mean, he was only in season one. Uh, I don't think he. Yeah, I think it was just season one. Um, but yeah. He's referenced in season two, and he, he was played by Alan Tudyk, and uh, he's incredible. He he breaks the fourth wall, which uh, is kind of funny. He, like, references the HBO, or I think it was DC uh, Universe at that time. When it yeah, was so DC Universe at the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he, he references Grant Morrison and stuff. It's great. He breaks the fourth wall. Um, but, yeah, the, the show is just, like, so unique in, in the sense of, like, it can be super absurd, and it just looks completely different. Um yeah, and that pilot was fantastic. With with Cliff, though, I gotta say that he he curses a ton. Robot Man yeah. just like says fuck like every two minutes. Well, you know and what? I think everybody curses a lot, really. But I mean, oh, I yeah. would say that with Cliff and Jane take the cake there. Yes, yes, and that's the problem because I often watch these shows, you know, in my living room while I'm like exercising or doing my laundry. You know, my wife and my kids might be around. And they'll just hear this dialogue where they're just like, this is so fucking stupid. Fuck, fuck, fuck. They'll just say it over and over again. And it, it, it kind of lowers if to an outsider. I think it makes the show look juvenile, but it's just that that's kind of part of their personality, you know? And, and I think that with these HBO Max shows in general, they try to be as, uh, you know, like, like push the envelope as much as possible just because it's like, oh, we're streaming. We could do whatever we want, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree, and uh, I I can't we can't talk about Jane and Cliff without talking about their like incredible friendship, and I which I absolutely love. It's yes. a completely platonic friendship, and it's just they're just two kind of outcasts that are kind of more on the rebellious side. They kind of like bonded, and I absolutely love it, and it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Yes, I mean in his accident, at first you'd believe that like his wife and his daughter, his daughter who's like. I don't know, two or three uh, die in this car accident in the very first episode. But then it's revealed that the daughter lived and that she's grown up to be an adult. Um, and Brendan Fraser just does this fantastic job. Yeah, he is always uh, cursing and complaining, like I said. But he acts like this father figure to Jane. And that, that relationship is really great because he's always taking care of her and always kind of looking out for her. And when he, he's very low, she's always there to support him too. And, and like, really, the show itself is is not really like a superhero show. They do kind of have like adventures, but for the most part, it is people just kind of dealing with like depression and like horrible self image, just like kind of dealing with their own issues. It's like every episode 
It's just like dealing with their own personal issues. Yeah. The core of this show is just broken people dealing with their trauma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's it's really fantastic. Uh, yeah. You'd think after three seasons it would get kind of old, but it's not. You know, and I, no, I think- they find they find new ways to reinvent it every time. You know, there's always some some new aspect of it that they haven't touched on before or something they can, you know, just rehash into something unique and interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so uh, I think probably the most melodramatic out of all of them um, is uh, the negative man. That's kind of ironic, right? His name is negative man. His uh, Larry trainer is the character's real name. And then the actor is Matt Bomer, who I had just kind of recognized from uh, magic Mike. And I think he was on that show. Uh, it was called like not suits, but it was like white collar. I think. Yeah. It was, it was like a like, USA yeah. show or something like that. Yeah. yeah I, right. I, I, right. Right. Yes. And he's a, he's a real charming he voice guy. Lantern once too, uh, in one of the DC animated movies. I think. Oh, okay. Maybe. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, he. It's it's funny because they cast this like really good looking, charming guy, but then essentially it's just his voice, right? And there's another actor covered in bandages. Every so often they'll show him without bandages on, but then he has this like just horribly burned. <laughs> like purple body you know yes uh and obviously the same for for uh for cliff robot man um you know obviously that's not brennan frazier in that suit uh that that's another actor yeah <clears throat> but but that's the thing right is that both actors for what they're doing you know vocally it it, it has such an effect you know because as cliff he's just always like kind of whining and complaining and it's just funny and then with uh you know uh Larry Trainer, he's got this sort of quiet, withdrawn kind of way of talking, and he's almost like a ghost of a person. Um, and, and you just kind of always feel sorry for him. And it, it's very clear you can feel that he just has this incredible guilt. Because one of the things about uh Larry is that he's a homosexual and he was, you know, a regular person in the 60s, he was a pilot. And, you know, of course, back then, being a homosexual was looked down upon and, and you know, you, you couldn't even be in the military and stuff. Wasn't the 60s? Wasn't it earlier than the 60s? Oh, I yeah, thought, like, his pet's flight was – well, you know, whatever. It's like 50s, 60s. Yeah. And he had a wife and kids, and he was essentially, like, in the closet. And so um, horrible things ended up happening to his family because of his accident and because of him keeping secrets. And so uh, his family has kind of paid the price for it. And you can just always tell by the way he talks and what he does – you just always feeling that guilt and that remorse, you know? Yeah. And then he eventually will try to reconnect with some remaining members of his family and it doesn't go as planned really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just, just more misery on top of misery, you know? Yeah. So, uh, okay. So we covered like the main three. No, no, we did not cover the main three because we didn't talk about Rita. Rita. Yeah. <clears throat> so were, were you, um, familiar with april bowlby before this show um i i know i knew she was from two and a half men but i re- didn't really watch that show right um, right but yeah. that was really the only thing that I, I i was aware of her being in right and um i mean on that show i know they had like a lot of you know gorgeous women on it and they were kind of objectified or whatever on that show and she is an incredibly beautiful woman but it's it's so interesting because they like play that into her character right because she she plays this actress rita Farr that was around from like you know the early days of cinema 
And she always talks in this sort of melodramatic, over-the-top, old-fashioned kind of way of talking. But Which she's, is I mean, very she's, different from how she talked on Two and a Half Men. <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> right, right. Like an airhead, sort of. Right, right. And and so she, um, you know, she's super old, but yeah, she looks like she's like in her 20s or so, or maybe 30s. Um, but she was exposed to some kind of like, like, like what, like toxic gas or like mutagen kind of stuff in a swamp. Yeah, she fell in uh filming while well, filming the movie. She fell in, in a, like a like swamp water, and she came out and she was like a blobish character. And yeah. uh, it, it seems her her form is kind of based on her own kind of self worth and self confidence, which yeah. is, is her main struggle throughout her life. Is she just after that moment? She, um, you know, she, she kind of lost her confidence, but she also had trauma before that too, that, which is based on, um, how she got into acting and, you know, what her, uh, her mom like slept with the producer to get her a role. Uh, and that, that's kind of always kind of, uh, you know, dragged behind her. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of the stuff that the whole me too movement is based on that whole idea of like, you know, producers using their power and women having to do things they don't want to do to get roles. That's a big part of her origin. Um, because that's like, she was in that system where it was just like commonplace. Um, you know, like a term that people use all the time with superhero movies now, modern superhero movies. And in general, anytime someone has some kind of issue with their body or physical issue, they use the term body horror. And I don't think that with Rita, her stuff would necessarily be considered body horror, at least in my opinion. I don't think it's like scary. I just think it's, they make her very gross, like all the stuff that happens to her. And um, it, it's it's this crazy juxtaposition because it's like this very proper, beautiful woman, but then she, like her face just starts kind of melting like a candle, you know, and she turns into a blob. Yeah. It, just like, it, 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 it's jarring. Sometimes like she'll do stuff or you'll see stuff and you'll kind of lose your appetite, you know, or at least I do. Watch it, yeah. I, I'll totally agree with that. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, mainly you know, when her face starts drooping and all that, it, it is very uh, it, it and the effects are really good with it, yes, yes, yeah. And then, uh, that brings us to the last main cast member, Cyborg. Which, uh, are you glad that they went with Cyborg for the show versus Beast Boy? I think about this a lot because Cyborg in the comics was, was never part of the Doom Patrol, right? Um Obviously, this show runs concurrently, ran concurrently with the the Titan show, although they're not the exact same continuity. Right. Um, so I, I I don't know. I I'm I'm not sure if it would be better to have Beast Boy or be better to have Cyborg. I mean, they've definitely made him interesting, but yes. Um, and and you know, he, him having similar issues to to the other characters where where. He had a tra uh, traumatic event, and he's kind of haunted by it, um, and you know issues with his dad and, and all that. Um, and it, it kind of fits well, but at the same time, I feel like his story seemed the most out of place at times mm -hmm, mm -hmm. compared to the others. Right. Um, and I mean, maybe it's because he's the youngest. He, he's probably the only one that would age normally uh, out of the entire group, um, right. and then that hasn't lived for for you know sixty plus years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even 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 the, the there's another character that's sort of a main character that doesn't come around to season two, uh, Dorothy. I mean, Dorothy. she looks like she's 12 or 11, but she's 100, 103 or something like that. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we should talk about Dorothy in a second, too. But I was going to ask you, 
essentially with Cyborg, besides the comics, right? Cyborg, you have the Teen Titans cartoon version of him. You have the Zack Snyder Justice League version of him. And then you have this version of him. Would you put this version of Cyborg at the lead as the best one? It's hard because I feel like he fills different roles in each of those iterations. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the, the the cartoon version is obviously much more comic relief based, even right. on a comic sh- comedy show. Yeah. Um, right. The the um, the 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 movie version is is much more. Uh, I feel like the tech there is much more powerful or um, or important to the story. Oh, than, he's than like godlike. In the Zack Snyder version, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that because that's Zack Snyder's. Excuse me, Zack Snyder's whole thing is that they're all gods, right? And I don't feel like this version it feels like that in any way. I, I'm not really sure. I, I mean, the comics have kind of take, taken his power, uh, kind of more up to that level in more recent yeah. years, but I don't think it was necessarily like that originally. Um, yeah, that's a tough call. I, I, I guess I would put this in the lead, maybe, but it's not like overwhelmingly. It really? Yeah. And it's funny, too, because uh, I t- totally forgot to mention another version of him, too. Another show that you and I cover on here, Young Justice, there's a cyborg on there, too. Yes, and, from, the last, from the last season, yeah. And I would say that this version of Cyborg and that version are probably the two closest out of all the different versions. Yes, and I'm already just getting flashbacks of the scene of of, of, of the explosion from the cartoon. And how graphic that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Once again, HBO Max, right? Yeah. Like, oh, we can do it. Let's be graphic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are other supporting characters that we see. We see uh, Niles Calder, where they were able to snag Timothy Dalton to play this character. And I, that's a freaking catch and a half right there. Um, by the end of season two, Niles dies. And uh, so tonight we're going to talk about just how season two ends and the first two episodes. And then we're just going to cover season three over the next couple of weeks. So, um, Brian, you were saying that season two got, uh, they like ended it early because of COVID, right? That is correct. So season two was supposed to have 10 episodes. Uh, COVID struck mid filming of the finale of, of season uh, of episode 10. And they kind of just wrapped it up at nine. Um, They, for the most, I mean, they they absolutely wrap up the story in season one of episode. I'm sorry, season three, season wait, episode one of season three. But it does, feel kind of, it does feel kind of rushed. I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it seems like they just took the leftover the footage they had of the episode and just tacked it on to right. what their normal premiere would have been. So, so right. I, I feel like they didn't they didn't go back and film anything extra. They just right. they just realized that they couldn't have uh, used what they had um, to make a full episode out of. Yeah, um, season three, the very first episode, which is called Possibilities Patrol, totally feels like that would have been the last episode of season two because essentially it's like kind of like the epilogue of what happened. I mean, the, the chief dies at the very end of season two. Um, he has his daughter Dorothy. And Dorothy um, is like the mix of him and this woman that's sort of like a, almost like a, like a Neanderthal type woman. And Dorothy has this incredible power to where she can like 
summon creatures from her imagination, one of which is the candle maker, which is this big giant sort of he looks kind of like Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast, but like evil, right? And, that's exactly it. That's a great analogy. Thanks, man. And like he just has this ability to where like he could just put candle wax, like essentially like bukkake the whole world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, just covered in candle wax. And, and I, I didn't want to talk about the season finale too much, but one thing that I truly loved about the season finale is when he starts to do that, when the candle maker starts covering everything with wax, he makes all of the uh, imaginary friends of the Doom Patrol come and fight them. And their friends, it's so funny, each one, especially Cliff's. Yeah, I was gonna say Cliff's one was the best because it was it was a cursing Jesus from uh, uh, yeah yeah it was an imaginary friend for a summer when he was in Bible camp. Yeah, like Jesus rips off his arm and beats him with his arm, and some of the things that that Jesus says to is just so funny. I, I wanted to point out one thing about this show that um, the showrunner is Jeremy Carver, okay, and Jeremy Carver has worked on a whole bunch of different shows, but where he started was on Supernatural. And I looked at his list of episodes that he's written, and he's written a lot of those, like, funny Supernatural episodes. You know, like the ones yeah. where they kind of, you know, might be on a TV show or, like, there's that rest stop one where they die all the time. And I feel like this show is almost like just a whole season of that type of Supernatural episode, you know? Yeah, like the really, really weird ones, yeah. Right, the weird, funny, yeah, that's what Doom Patrol is. Yeah. And so, like, when they're fighting their imaginary friends, I'm like, that's just, like, when Supernatural just goes nuts, you know? Yeah. It's this kind of fusion of, like, Graham Morrison's weird-ass ideas and then those absurd Supernatural episodes just together. And, yeah. uh, you know, Cyborg, his dad always plays a big part in his, uh, you know, origin and his story. And so his dad is on the show, too, and he's, like, a cowboy, right? Uh, he's, like, some kind of weird Dr. Cowboy. That's his imaginary friend. And then, like, well, which, uh, and really, I, I really wanted to point out the, the the how how tragic that is. That his imaginary friend was a self created father figure that looked like his dad. That was like a, a what was a doctor cow doctor cowboy, right? Doctor cowboy, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just and and he even admits to it. Like doctor cowboy says to him, like you created me as a self affirmation. It's like holy crap, that is so sad. Yeah, I like yeah. really like hit hard for some reason. Yeah, every character on the show is just so freaking depressing. You know their backstories, and Cyborg inherently is a depressing character no matter what, just because of his origin and and his dad. Um, yeah, yeah. But I thought the guy that played his dad did an awesome job in that scene. And then with Rita, they had this really cool thing where, like, essentially, like it looked like almost like a collage come to life and it was moving. It was like essentially like a, a woman she cut out of a magazine. And I think like the picture of her mom's glasses from like a photo and it would like move and talk to her. And it's just, this show is just so out there and creative that it just kind of seems like they could just do whatever they want, you know? Yeah. It's the kind of thing that you wouldn't expect to see or to work on in live action, but does. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and so yeah, so they're so the Doom Patrol they, they get beaten up by their imaginary friends. Um, Dorothy is going to have to confront the Candlemaker, and she does. But ultimately, throughout the whole course of the battle, um, it's too much for the chief, and he dies. And so uh, the, the well, you have to you have to keep in mind that 
um, the, the chief was also extra old. He was about 100 years old or so, or 90 years old. And uh, he had had a talisman that was helping him keep him young that he had yeah. to give to uh, Willoughby Kipling, who was a, a John Constantine knockoff played by Supernatural and Battlestar Galactica and um, alum Mark Shepard. Uh, yes. And he, he had to he had to give that up in order to, to save someone or, or the, maybe even the entire team uh, so at some point in the end of season two, near the end of season two. So that, that's kind of ex- why his, his death was accelerated uh, or his aging was accelerated, uh, you know, towards the end of the season. Yeah. The reason why he gave up that talisman was because the team had been shrunken to like action that's figure right. size. Yes, and that's so right. to make them get large again, he had to give up that talisman. But that's once again, just an example of how fucking cuckoo bananas this show could be. Cause like they're just living in like a little model town and robot man's picking fights with rats and stuff, you know, just that's right. Such imagination. It's so great. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're a little fresher on season two than I am. So yeah, it's all good, but we're, we're going to be on the same level for season three now. So yeah, for season three, um, we get introduced to the brotherhood of evil, right? So what do you know about the brotherhood of evil? Uh, not much. I, I recognize the character names. That's that's about it. So like I knew living brain, I knew Major uh, Major Mala, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and that's only because I've seen them in other media before. Um, right. Yeah, Monsieur Mala. Didn't he look fucking awesome for a fucking yeah. talking gorilla? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the brain was great too. I was wondering, was Monsieur Mala? Was he voiced by um, what's his face? The guy does uh. You know, Mr. Crab or whatever from SpongeBob and Clancy Brown, right? He sounded a oh, lot like Clancy um, Brown. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I feel like Clancy Brown has definitely done a a gorilla character somewhere for DC before, but well, um, DC, in, in the like the Justice League cartoon, there they had. Um, I think Monster Milan was on there too, but they had uh, the Ultra Humanite. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla. They had yeah, so many no, fucking gorilla had, characters. They probably had both, honestly, at various points. Yeah. It just, it sounded like that voice when it was, you know, Monster Mala talking. But uh, by the time we come along with episode one of season three, you also get Madame. Now, it's Madame Rouge, right? Not Madame Rouge. It's R-O-U, so Rouge, yeah. Yeah, Madame Rouge. So Madame Rouge is, she's kind of interesting because she's kind of like a, uh, the same thing as, read afar but like an evil version of her you know yes where she's got like the elastic kind of reed richards powers and um she's played by this actress um who uh michelle gomez that was the doc not not the doctor the master on doctor who like a female version of him and she was fantastic and like i just thought when i found out that she was cast as madame rouge i was like oh that's perfect very good casting you know, yeah, uh, I I wasn't familiar with her before, but I mean, she looked she looked important. <laughs> yeah, 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 and she looked. But like yeah, uh, an an evil an evil version, an evil power set of uh, of Rita Farr seems pretty appropriate. Yeah, yeah, and and essentially, what's happened with this third season is the chief has made Rita the new head of the Doom Patrol, and so she has to kind of take over, and they have to kind of confront any kind of crazy otherworldly dangers, and um. Madame Rouge comes back. It seems like she's been gone. Now, in the um, Wikipedia, it said that she was in a time machine. It sure looked like she was like in a like kind of like an underground drill machine. That, yeah. Kind of you know, so I don't, underground, yeah. 
wherever she was, she's been gone for decades since the um, Brotherhood of Evil fought the Doom Patrol. Yes, because the flashback um, they had was from uh, in episode two was I believe in the late forties. Okay, and then later yeah. on there was there was a newspaper headline about how the Doom Patrol defeats the uh, the Brotherhood of Evil. So in the, I want to say the sixties or the seventies, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and so what's funny about the second episode, which is called Vacay uh, Patrol, is that uh, you have this this one character called Gargwax. The Decimator. <laughs> it's like Green Alien. He kind of looks like Brainiac. Um, but he's supposed to take out Rita Farr. Like the Brotherhood of Evil are like, hey, you got to get rid of her. And he goes and he stays in this lodge. And he's just there for like decades, right? Yeah, he's just waiting for instruction. He stays there. And it's just kind of uh, another parallel. It's, it's just a, a, a character that doesn't really age the same way. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's an alien. And, uh, you know, I found him to be a very relatable villain. He was very like chill guy, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was so impressed by or surprised by the like the turn where it's like, you know what? Like they're just sad people like I am. Like they're not going to hurt anybody. Why? Why are we still doing this? And yeah. it was his little his little angry assistant who was frustrated uh, that eventually attacks them anyway. Yeah, yeah. He has his little uh henchman that you're talking about uh samuelson samuelson yes he, he goes around and he plays like um one of those like old-fashioned fucking record players that has like the big like whatever the fuck you call it that phonograph board. thing yeah right 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 and, and it's playing this music that's from the movie excalibur this like classic piece of music every time that gargawax comes in i didn't realize it's from excalibur that's a good that's a good catch don't, don't you love that movie too like it, it, yeah from like like, oh, that movie's so fucking good. But it's like yeah. this classic German piece of like orchestral music. And they play every time he comes into a room. And the guy that played Samuelson, that's um Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can yeah. hear that now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So what you just mentioned was that uh Samuelson, he gets a signal from the Brotherhood, which is probably gonna be Madame Rouge giving the signal, and he takes this laser. Gargawax's laser, and it kills Gargawax, and then apparently by the end of the episode, it looks like he killed off the Doom Patrol, too. Yeah, that's just kind of goes along with what I was saying before. Where the, what's that? Uh, I was just, just agreeing, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of goes along with what I was saying, where it's like the, the Doom Patrol dies all the time, and it, it sure looked like that, like where they just all got blasted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm assuming they'll be back, though, because it's only episode two of season three. Yeah, they can't kill off the whole team and uh, just leave Larry and Dorothy to to carry on after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, just like real quick, why don't we just kind of talk about where each of the the main characters are? Uh, Jane, she had a girl switch out with her. Jane is like the primary personality of this little girl uh, who's grown up, and um, like she's trying to like keep the little girl safe. There was another uh, personality that took over for a little while, um, but then it turned out uh, Miranda was the personality. Um, but then you found out that it wasn't even really a personality. It was like kind of like the corruption of the father, you know? Yeah, it was the manif- manifestation of her her fear and despair from, uh, from the trauma from her father, which they seemingly overcame uh, again. But, uh, you know, it, it's always possible it, it might resurface at a later time. Yeah, yeah. And and so 
Jane. And 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 that uh, and that actually that manifestation uh, of of Miranda, um, you know, the, the, besides Miranda being actually gone, the the real Miranda, they took out a couple uh, other personalities too, including Baby Doll, right? Yeah, yeah, Baby Doll got killed. Yeah, in in season two. Yeah, yeah. by uh, the Candlemaker. Yeah, yeah. So um, Jane, though Miranda was much better at like kind of working with the team when she was when she took over. And she was much more like relatable. Jane is always kind of, you know, taking a step back and her personality is very abrasive. But there was this one part in the end of uh, episode two where they start playing Forever Young, right? Is that uh, Alphaville, right? I think. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And, and so they're playing Forever Young by Alphaville and everybody's dancing. And I just thought that was a, I almost cried because I thought it was just a really great. I, I, I was going to say the same thing, man. That, that scene just hit me for some reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the, Again, shared trauma. They, all these people have shared trauma, and they're all living really long times. So it just really hit for some reason. Yeah. If you're at season three of this show, you're at this point because you love these characters. And so just all of them kind of coming together. It's kind of ironic because they kind of join hands. They dance in sync with each other. And then when they get shot by uh, Samuelson, they're all kind of still holding each other's hands, even though they're, like, dead on the floor, you know? Yeah. Um, but... With Cliff, we found out that his daughter is going to have a baby. She has a, a wife, and uh, they have a baby. And then Cliff goes and takes care of the baby. But we also find out that his issues that he thought were with his robot body are perhaps because he might have Parkinson's. The only fucking yeah. human piece of him is his brain, and yeah. it's possible that he has Parkinson's disease. It's just, and again, we mentioned earlier that you know they find unique ways to. Uh, reinterpret the trauma or add layers to their existing trauma and like how do you get worse than that like he yeah the one part of him that still exists could potentially like break break down and, and not work properly yeah i don't know how they're gonna get out of this one but you know it seems like he's kind of overbearing with his granddaughter and his daughter too and it's sort of getting on the wife's nerves but um you know it's, it's just great to kind of see him be happy because he's with his kid that he hasn't been with his whole life yeah. Um, and then Rita is kind of reluctant to take over the team and she spends most of episode two, just like in a bucket or like a bag, you know, <laughs> literally in like a, like a tablecloth, which right. she somehow turns into like a really amazing looking dress. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> At one point she's like drinking alcohol from a straw, but she's just like a glob in a tablecloth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Cyborg, he had this relationship with this woman who actually had like Cyborg enhancements put on her in the and and they had a relationship in the previous season i think she's pretty much gone by this season but i don't know if she's going to come back or not yeah uh i'm not sure i mean he still seems to hung up on her um you, you yeah. know he's trying to I, I mean one of the most tragic things i think in this in this uh se the second episode is when they're all kind of off on their own depressed and he's trying to text her with his flip phone cyborg is trying to text someone with a flip phone. <laughs> right right like, right oh my god like how, how like you know how far have you fallen kind of thing you know that's gotta hurt man yeah 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 you know he's such a cool character in some regard because he's got this cool tech but then just like all the other characters he's kind of pathetic too. everybody's kind of pathetic but that yeah. just makes us like him more you know and, yeah. and like i said probably the most pathetic is is larry and by the end of the second season, he's sort of he's starting to make this kind of connection with his negative spirit that's inside of him, 
um, and you think that maybe he might have a bond and he might be able to kind of like evolve. But then by the end of this episode, him and the negative spirit are like separated. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah, so I think the interesting thing is, uh, the, you know, the, the interesting layer they added to it was that in season two, I believe it was season two, um, he met someone else that was possessed by one of the, the negative spirits, and they kind of became one. And after a, in a very short period of time, and he's kind of like, well, what the fuck? Like, why can't we do this? So yeah. he kind of flies off into space at the behest of the negative spirit, and he, I don't know, he gets grabbed by some floaty hand thing and then he sees some vision of himself and then suddenly he's back so we really don't know what the hell happened there yeah yeah and i guess we'll have to find out you know we'll have to find out is the doom patrol alive or are they dead how are they going to come back how's larry going to get connected to his spirit again um and that character that you referenced that's a character that's in the doom patrol comics too there is like a female there's like a negative woman and i think at some point, whether it's Grant Morrison's run or Gerard Way's run, or maybe even some run between, I think Larry Trainer becomes a woman. Like it's like a transgender thing that happens too. Yeah, he gets merged with another character. I don't think it's that same character that we just re- referenced. I don't remember her name. Um, her, her name is like Moscow, which is, is like it Moscow. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm almost afraid to say. Like, consider what's going on in our world right now. Very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. in the comic, he he and his other female character and the negative spirit merge into one character called rebus okay uh, there you very go. weird name <laughs> yeah uh, yeah but, but yes he takes on features of, of 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 both personalities so yes and and that's the kind of the amazing thing and maybe that's kind of a good point to kind of wrap everything up is that like the the inspiration for this show essentially comes from the grant morrison comics and grant morrison at this point when you talk about grant morrison you say they or them you know, Grant Morrison for a long time was he, um, but he himself, you know, is non-binary or they are non-binary. Um, but Grant Morrison has always been like forward thinking and like thinking outside of the box. And when the Doom Patrol comic came out that he wrote, it, it had stuff that just was like so ahead of its time. That yes. now nowadays it, it looks like it's almost kind of commonplace and stuff, but you know, you had characters with all these different kind of tragic, traumatic backstories and people with like issues with their bodies and, and not want to be in their bodies and transgender characters and people with mental illness. And I think that the show, as bizarre and weird as it is, is not necessarily as like out there and far fetched as Grant Morrison, but I think it's as good as you could potentially get for like a live action adaptation. Yeah, I agree, and I know you mentioned that how uh, there are probably a lot more things that are that feel similar to Grant Morris and stuff. But I, I still think there's some unique quality to the way, like absolutely outside of the box is the best term you can use when describing his work. Um, yeah. So uh, definitely. Yeah, I I went ahead and I ordered um, the Doom Patrol comics from the '80s because I knew we were going to be talking about this. I read a little bit of them, but I want to like go through the whole run. And then, of course, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way, uh, he took over the Doom Patrol comic, you know, maybe like six years ago or even more. And so um, I'm going to read some of that, too. But I, if you guys haven't read either of those books and you like the show, I definitely re- recommend you guys checking them out. Uh, so, Brian, next week, are we just doing three and four? Um, Up to you, because we also got to cover uh, the, the boys uh, animated spinoff, too. 
Okay, so next week, let's do three and four of Doom Patrol, and then we'll cover that boys show, and then I think we'll do five and six, and then whatever. We'll just be covering the Doom Patrol and the boys for a while until... Up until Moon Knight comes out. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Uh, oh, before... Brian, I think... Brian. Oh, and there's a few more points I wanted to touch on in the show, too, before we, we jump off of it. Um, okay, go ahead. End of season two. Uh, there's a shot of Niles when he's crawling towards Dorothy, uh, and he, he he opens a case that has a syringe. They don't follow up on that. Uh, I'm very curious what that was, what it meant, and what he was what he was planning to do, and if it will show up again. Um, two, did you see the end credit scene, uh, the, the post credit scene in the uh, in episode one of season three? Wait, episode one of season three? I did not. No, but okay. it's, yeah, go ahead. So, this is interesting. So in, in, in episode one of season three, uh, Niles comes back as a ghost. He manifests himself and he talks to Cliff. And then you see him. Uh, and, and you know that, that Dorothy uh, rides Danny the ambulance to back to where she was born and to, to bury him. Um, so you see Niles as a ghost. In, uh, and he's just sitting in the house there. And you see the sex ghosts pop up from the previous episode. And that they they're beckoning him to come join them, and he says, "Okay, why not?" So he starts undoing his shirt, and then his ghost gets ripped away, and then they cut to um, his uh, his gravesite, and you see Willoughby Kipling has dug up his grave and severed his head, and and something is going to happen with that. <laughs> yeah, I I totally did not see that when that happened, but I, I did read on like the Wikipedia. He says Kipling says something like, "Your story's not done" or something like that, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very curious to see where that goes to. Yeah, well, you brought up the sex ghost too, man. So I feel like man, I, that I, was I messaged, a weird episode. Yes, I, I messaged Brian. One of the episodes was called Sex Patrol, and what I loved was that I froze HBO Max one time when my daughter was walking into the room, and so right on the HBO Max it says Sex Patrol. It's like, oh, that's what my father's watching. That's cool. But I remember like messaging Brian and being like, I think I'm losing my mind like watching this episode. It was so fucking bizarre. You know? At, at one yeah, point there's, there's like a baby that comes at the end too. It's 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 real, real out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I need to like just have this documented that I saw this with my eyeballs. But at one point there's like this like sex pervert demon that like seems to be a man, but it gives birth. And there's a floating baby, and then Jane takes the baby and shoves it up wherever it came out of. Yeah, yeah, it's just the weirdest fucking thing. But yeah, but that's how great this fucking show is. I'm like, yeah. did she just shove a baby back into the man? You know, yeah. it's just things you wouldn't, things from a comic you didn't think would work that work. Right, right, right. And I'm so glad this show exists. Yes, yeah. Did you have any other things from? The show. I think that was good? it. I wanted to cover those two things because I, I think they're going to come back, uh, come back up, up later on. Okay. Yeah. As long as they bring back some sex ghosts, I, I was appreciating that. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So we were, are going to talk about Doom Patrol for the next couple of weeks, and then Moon Knight will be on March 30th. But Brian, there's a movie coming out this weekend too. Oh, I got my tickets. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> what are your tickets for? Uh, wait. What are my tickets for? Or when? When? Uh, Saturday afternoon. Okay, 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 okay. So, yeah, I think maybe we could do a video on Sunday. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. we'll work it out schedule-wise. We can do that. Yeah, man. 
Okay, cool, cool. All right, well, so that's me and Brian, and we'll see you guys here for Batman, and then, of course, some more Doom Patrol. Have a good night, guys.